0: Hello and welcome to Reading with Carrie, a mindfulness podcast series that can be used as a sleep aid or to ease your anxiety and relieve your stress. I am your host, Carrie Fable, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. This is my first bonus podcast episode, and to be honest, I'm a little apprehensive. Now, I still stand by my statement last week that this podcast would be a reprieve from the world's events and instead help you focus on your mental and emotional health. My voice is not the one that needs to be heard right now. My role is to listen and aid where I can. However, that does not mean that I should stay silent or that I shouldn't add to the conversation in another way. The reason I am apprehensive is not choosing to speak out in support of the Black Lives Matter movement but that it might be misconstrued as disingenuous. This is not a ploy for me to grow my brand or to do my own virtue signaling. That honestly is the reason I delayed making such an episode as this. But I think that by sharing this as a bonus episode, it can be easily skipped by those who are looking to step away for a moment, which is something I fully support everyone do at times for your mental health. But it can also be used to spread awareness or perhaps even a different perspective to those who are struggling to see the issue at hand. Today's story is a little different than anything else I've read so far. It's the story of Ruby Bridges, by Robert Coles, published by Scholastic Inc. It's about standing up for what's right and holding your ground, even though that may not be an easy thing to do. Now, this podcast is in no way sponsored, but I did want to mention BEAM. It's the Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective. BEAM is a training, movement building, and grant-making organization dedicated to the healing, wellness, and liberation of Black and marginalized communities. BEAM envisions a world where there are no barriers to Black healing. Their mission is to remove the barriers that Black people experience getting access to or staying connected with emotional healthcare and healing. They do this through healing justice-based organizing, education, training, making and advocacy to learn more or to get helpful resources visit beam.community that's b e a m.community so before we get to the story as always let's practice a mindfulness exercise today's meditation is the breathing compassion in and out taken directly from mindful.org/breathing-compassion-in-and dash out. Find a comfortable posture and close your eyes. Bring your attention and focus to your body and notice what position you're in, the feeling of your feet on the floor or perhaps sitting in your bed. Notice any internal sensations that may be arising right now. You may notice the beating of your heart, the feelings of pulsing energy, remind yourself that you're not just bringing awareness to your experience but loving and kind awareness adopt a physical gesture that represents this caring attitude perhaps by putting both hands on your heart notice how your body responds to the physical touch the warmth of your hands feel free to leave your hands here for the entire meditation if you'd like or if it's more comfortable you can put them back down at your side. Without being forceful, slowly notice your breathing, relax and slow down. Take a few deep breaths in, hold it for a moment, and then breathe back out. We're gonna do a big inhalation and a large exhalation. After doing a few large inhales and exhales, we're going to return to a normal, natural rhythm. If your mind wanders, that's okay. Just acknowledge that it has wandered and bring it back to your breathing. Let your awareness rest in your breath, breathing in and breathing out. Recognize that you're nurturing yourself with each in-breath. Pay particular attention to the inhalation and notice that as you breathe in, you're giving yourself what you need in the moment. You're nurturing yourself with each breath in. If you're struggling in any way in your life, breathe in some other quality that you may need. Kindness, love, compassion. Breathe in this quality with each inhalation. Perhaps there's a word that rests easily on each in-breath. A word that represents what you need. Or perhaps it's more general. A golden light. A quality of warmth. Allow yourself to really receive something good for yourself with each inhalation. And now as you breathe out, Bring to mind someone you know or are aware of who is struggling and needs compassion. Allow their image to arise in your mind's eye. Direct your breath out to them, sending them what they need in the moment. Kindness. Love. Compassion. Again, this may take the form of a word that gently rides on your exhalation. Or perhaps it's a feeling of warmth, an image of golden light. With each breath out, send something good to this other person who is also struggling. Breathe in something good for yourself like compassion and kindness. Breathe out something good for this other person in and out, one for me, and one for you, in for me, out for you. If you again feel your mind wandering, refresh the image of yourself or the other person in your mind's eye. Maybe put your hands on your heart once again to physically connect with the sensation of care. Breathe in the ease of compassion for yourself and out the ease of compassion for the other. Send compassion where it is needed most. If at any point your attention is drawn more to your own struggle or suffering, feel free to breathe in and focus more for yourself. Perhaps three for me... And one for you. Or conversely, if the other person is drawing your attention more strongly, you can focus more on the out-breath, sending out the compassion they need. Or just let your breath be an equal, easy flow. In and out. Like the waves of an ocean, a limitless, boundless ocean, enough for me and enough for you, an ocean of compassion. Let yourself be fully absorbed by the breath of compassion. Breathe in and breathe out, compassion in. Compassion out. No limits or boundaries. You can hold your own suffering fully and also hold the suffering of this other person, righted like the waves on the ocean, in and out. If other beings come to mind who are suffering, or even groups of people, from this place of limitless, boundless compassion, you can breathe out for them as well. Always include yourself with each in-breath. There's no need for separation. Let this ocean hold all suffering in love and compassion. Release your focus on the breath and on the practice. Simply come back to your body. Allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling in this moment, and to be exactly as you are. And now, here's the story. The Story of Ruby Bridges by Robert Coles Published by Scholastic Inc. Our Ruby taught us all a lot. She became someone who helped change our country. She was part of history just like generals and presidents are part of history. They're leaders, and so was Ruby. She led us away from hate, and she led us nearer to knowing each other, the white folks and the black folks. Ruby's mother. Ruby Bridges was born in a small cabin near Tylertown, Mississippi. We were very poor. Very, very poor, Ruby said. My daddy worked picking crops. We just barely got by. There were times when we didn't have much to eat. The people who owned the land were bringing in machines to pick the crops. So my daddy lost his job. And that's when we had to move. I remember us leaving. I was four, I think. In 1957, the family moved to New Orleans. Ruby's father became a janitor. Her mother took care of the children during the day. After they were tucked in bed, Ruby's mother went to work scrubbing floors in a bank. Every Sunday... The family went to church. We wanted our children to be near God's spirit, Ruby's mother said. We wanted them to start feeling close to him from the very start. At that time, black children and white children went to separate schools in New Orleans. The black children were not able to receive the same education as the white children. It wasn't fair, and it was against the nation's law. In 1960, a judge ordered four black girls to go to two white elementary schools. Three of the girls were sent to McDonough 19. Six-year-old Ruby Bridges was sent to first grade in the William France Elementary School. Ruby's parents were proud that their daughter had been chosen to take part in an important event in American history. They went to church. We sat there and prayed to God, Ruby's mother said, that we'd all be strong and we'd have courage and we'd get through any trouble and Ruby would be a good girl and she'd hold her head up high. And be a credit to her own people and a credit to all the American people. We prayed long and we prayed hard." On Ruby's first day, a large crowd of angry white people gathered outside the France elementary school. The people carried signs that said they didn't want black children in a white school. People called Ruby names. Some wanted to hurt her. The city and state police did not help Ruby. The president of the United States ordered federal marshals to walk with Ruby into the school building. The marshals carried guns. Every day, for weeks that turned into months, Ruby experienced that kind of school day. She walked to the France school surrounded by marshals. Wearing a clean dress and a bow in her hair and carrying her lunch pail, Ruby walked slowly for the first few blocks. As Ruby approached the school, She saw a crowd of people marching up and down the street. Men and women and children shouted at her. They pushed toward her. The marshals kept them from Ruby by threatening to arrest them. Ruby would hurry through the crowd and not say a word. The white people in the neighborhood would not send their children to school. When Ruby got inside the building, she was all alone except for her teacher, Mrs. Henry. There were no other children to keep Ruby company to play with and learn with, to eat lunch with. But every day, Ruby went into the classroom with a big smile on her face, ready to get down to the business of learning. She was polite and she worked well at her desk, Mrs. Henry said. She enjoyed her time there. She didn't seem nervous or anxious or irritable or scared. She seemed as normal and relaxed as any child I've ever taught. So Ruby began learning how to read and write in an empty classroom an empty building. Sometimes I'd look at her and wonder how she did it, said Mrs. Henry. How she went by those mobs and sat here all by herself, and yet seemed so relaxed and comfortable. Mrs. Henry would question Ruby in order to find out if the girl was really nervous and afraid, even though she seemed so calm and confident. But Ruby kept saying that she was fine. The teacher decided to wait and see if Ruby would keep on being so relaxed and hopeful, or if she'd gradually begin to wear down, or even decide that she no longer wanted to go to school. Then one morning, something happened. Mrs. Henry stood by a window in her classroom as she usually did, watching Ruby walk toward the school. Suddenly, Ruby stopped, right in front of the mob of howling and screaming people. She stood there facing all those men and women, She seemed to be talking to them. Mrs. Henry saw Ruby's lips moving and wondered what Ruby could be saying. The crowd seemed ready to kill her. The marshals were frightened. They tried to persuade Ruby to move along. They tried to hurry her into the school, but Ruby wouldn't budge. Then Ruby stopped talking and walked into the school. When she went into the classroom, Mrs. Henry asked her what had happened. Mrs. Henry told Ruby that she'd been watching and that she was surprised when Ruby stopped and talked with the people in the mob. Ruby became irritated. I didn't stop and talk with them, she said. Ruby, I saw you talking, Mrs. Henry said. I saw your lips moving. I wasn't talking, said Ruby. I was praying. I was praying for them. Every morning, Ruby had stopped a few blocks away from school to say a prayer for the people who hated her. This morning, she forgot until she was already in the middle of the angry mob. When school was over for the day, Ruby hurried through the mob as usual. As she walked a few blocks and the crowd was behind her, Ruby said the prayer she repeated twice a day, before and after school. Please, God, try to forgive those people, because even if they say those bad things, they don't know what they're doing. So you could forgive them, just like you did those folks a long time ago when they said terrible things about you. The Afterword. Later that year, two white boys joined Ruby at the France Elementary School. Their parents were tired of seeing the boys get into mischief around the house when they could have been in school and learning. The mob became very angry when the first white students went back to school, but those boys were soon joined by other children. We've been sitting back and letting our children get cheated out of an education because some people have tried to take the law into their own hands, one parent said. It's time for us to fight for the side of the law and for our children's right to go to a school and get their education. They all did get their education, Ruby and a growing number of boys and girls who went to school with her. By the time Ruby was in second grade, The mobs had given up their struggle to scare Ruby and defeat the federal judge's order that New Orleans schools be desegregated so that children of all races might be in the same classroom. Year after year, Ruby went to the France school. She graduated from it, then went on to graduate from high school. Ruby Bridges is married to a building contractor and has four sons. Now a successful businesswoman, she has created the Ruby Bridges Educational Foundation with its focus on education, community, and the future of our nation's children. The foundation is especially dedicated to revitalizing the William France School, which is located in the heart of the Ninth Ward in New Orleans. Ruby is once again stepping to the forefront and embracing an opportunity to make history by contributing to the challenge that our nation is facing in the recovery efforts following Hurricane Katrina. There is also a special exhibit featuring Ruby's story at the Children's Museum of Indianapolis in Indianapolis, Indiana, called The Power of Children, Making a Difference. One of the reviews I read before purchasing this book stated that the story ended a bit too abruptly. But in my opinion, that was the perfect ending. You see, Ruby's fight for civil rights hasn't ended. That is what the Black Lives Matter movement continues to do today. Now, as I said at the beginning, it is not my place to speak on this. It is not my voice that needs to be heard. But I wanted to share the story of a little girl in history who helped make history. Perhaps you or your friend will also make history, or maybe even better, we will all do it together. For our closing thoughts today, I want to instead use the voice of someone much more qualified to speak on this matter Martin Luther King Jr. himself. Here are some of his most famous quotes Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. The time is always right to do what is right. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Thank you for listening. I welcome you back anytime you may need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story.